What's up, world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Dave, Dave, Dave. Insert here. Yo. It's a terrible game. Bottom line. It's terrible in every way. Graphically, it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, angry Nick mad. That game sucked, and it's gonna suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Oh, angry Nick mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazari. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and said, yeah, I'm gonna pass. Oh, yeah, so I do. Precisely. No. No. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No. No. Yeah, I'm you guys are so I don't- cute. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent, Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point. Always be radical. I love your little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of the new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes. You will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like, JRPGs have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh my god, I want to bang my head into a wall. It's a podcast. Can someone remind me? I thought it was a video game podcast. You're listening to the Game Source Podcast. And we are live with another episode of This is Gerald Glass for along with my good friend Douglas Hoyabu, the owner, co-owner, maybe still owner after this episode <laughs> with with uh, his lovely girlfriend Nicole. Of Retro City Games here in Henderson, Nevada. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Good, good. It's been a little while. Yes, it has. Uh, we've done some various things. Had that had that last week's episode, that great uh, two-year anniversary for you guys. Yep. Just, uh, it was a great time with DJ Medina from Henshin Engine and Rob McCallum, you know, director of... Which they of, made their Kickstarter, by the way. Yes, and yes. And then some. <laughs> and then some. And congratulations to Henshin Engine on that. So I know everybody out there is looking forward to their game coming out. And if you get a chance... Check out their game at HenshinEngine.com, where you actually can still download a three-level demo today. Uh, our good friend Rob McCallum was also there. He's got several projects out. For more information on that, RobMcCallumFilms.com, including one that you're part of, Box Art, the yep. docu- docu-series, uh, Missing Mom, which is actually winning awards all over the place, um, and so many others, the Kitty documentary, He-Man documentary, and so many more, and also to get his actual existing films that he's already actually released out like Nintendo Quest and the, and the Nintendo Quest Power Tour. Mm-hmm. So check it out, robmccallumfilms.com. But before I go into any more plugs, and I will make more plugs, that's, that's just what, you know, some of the things we do here, because we truly appreciate everybody who supports this show. Big, 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 big shout out to you, the listener out there. We just got the ratings in earlier this week. Pop! Culture Cosmos, uh, and we just want to thank John Sweeney Jr. of the Podcast Radio Network for allowing us to be on the network, and to, most importantly to you, the listener out there, we are already in the top 15 programs for Podcast yeah. Radio Network. Alright, <laughs> yeah, I gotta love that. Almost 7,000 of you have already listened to us, so we truly, truly appreciate you listening to us. It's, it's just so overwhelming, the support that we've gotten from you, the community out there. We truly appreciate it. We're going to try and do what we can to bring you more entertaining shows in the future. Um, and also, if you c- cannot catch us, Pop Culture Cosmos every Monday night on the Podcast Radio Network, and you should, or if you cannot catch us on the Tangent Bound Network, which you should as well, 
We're also available on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. We've added Google Play and Stitcher in the past couple weeks, so we we're adding more affiliates. We're adding more ways to get us get our show. And if you actually hear one a, a previous uh, episode as well, podcast.com. We've got a channel there that has all of our episodes. iTunes and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, our home site where we got a lot of great, great articles that are out there. I, I, you know, from me, from Josh. I just did. I don't know if you got a chance to see it yet. I did a worst of first Gerald's Guide to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Worst of first. Yes, worst of first, pretty much. Uh, it was. Uh, it's about thirty-five hundred words long. It's, it was. It was pretty detailing. It was much more of a Herculean task than I thought it would be. Um, just a couple films to go yeah, through. Yes, and I had to rewatch a, a couple of them. Just you know, when it, if it came close, like if there was a certain certain tie, and I didn't know which one to lean towards. I had to rewatch both movies just to make sure. So rough job. Yes, yes, rough <laughs> job indeed. But uh, it's there. Check it out on the site. I know Josh also did a great comic book series uh, series article on on uh, comic books in the age of the offended. So check that out as well. We've also offended. yes, we've also got great reviews out there. I did a pro, um, a review on IO Gear gaming mice that's that's going to go up and uh three different gaming mice are reviewed there so if you're interested in that check that out as well we've got a lot of great reviews great stuff want to give also a shout out to our wine women and words the podcast that's available our our good friends michelle and diana who who you know come on and and had a great success with their own show they're part of the pop culture cosmos our good friends of mario party wars sal larna um, Yelthin, and also as well Christian, who actually I spoke to for almost an hour, um, as far as it's concerned, on Esports 101, uh, which you will be hearing very soon. And also want to give a big, big shout out to our good friends here at Retro City Games. Um, Retro City <laughs> Games here in Henderson, Nevada, the leader in all of you know video games, retro video games, what have you. They answer dozens of questions each day, and I mean this, and I know this from personal first-hand experience. I see the questions fly through my computer, fly on my phone that go directly to them. They are at Retro City Games, the leader in retro gaming. So, Why, thank you. <laughs> um, and by the way, um, I, I, you know, unofficial deal, There, if you are interested in a guitar, uh, for Guitar Hero or have, Rock Band. We have one or two. Yeah, they have one or two. They might be able to help you on that. Bulk bulk sales may apply, right? <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, speaking of games, we're here talking games right now in this segment. And one of the, the, the latest games to come out right just before the actual November rush uh, was Gears of War 4. Yeah. Came out to pretty solid reviews, uh, depending on who you ask, but pretty, pretty good reviews. Uh -huh. But you are here at ground level here <laughs> at Retro City Games. You are here, you, you see the people coming in, you, you get the feedback, you've seen the footage, you, you've, you've had a chance to try out the Gears of War series as a whole. How does Gears of War 4 fit with the rest of the series? Um... The, I, I've played the whole series except for Judgment. Um, Gears of War, the new Gears of War 4, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to play, but I've watched quite a bit of Let's Plays, and I get quite a bit of feedback from, the, from our customers. Um, and everybody seems to be kind of saying the same thing um, in regards to the length of the story being a little on the short side. And 
the the campaign itself not being that deep it seems a little rushed in the beginning and where just things aren't really fleshed out and you might a lot of fetch quest type stuff and um but we, we all know a lot of people play it's no secret a lot of people play gears for the multiplayer um and i hope they fix the server issue they're currently having with it where some people are getting right on and playing perfectly fine and some others, others others are waiting 5 10 15 minutes to play a game i, I think <laughs> I don't that's know if you've heard anything about that well but. that to me that's something i think that has held firm in the past 5 6 7 years as far as well actually going even go back to my my favorite multiplayer love halo 2 so uh, as far as some people are able to get right on some people i don't think they've ever solved that issue uh, from a server standpoint I, I i don't think you know most of these these distributors, most of these these game producers, they've never been able to figure out server issues because uh, I, I know at least on every major game release, there's been some type of even the Call of Duties, mm-hmm. even even the the Battlefields, which which you know which will be out, uh, you know pretty much when you hear this, it, it, it there's always seems to be it, someone somewhere whether it's due to server on on the company's end or maybe on their end. That's always causing a problem. Well, and it's one of those... It's, it's kind of weird to see, though... I mean, this is a couple... I mean, a few that I know of, you know, first-party Microsoft games that are having that issue when, you know, last generation... The previous two generations, they were the king of online. Yes. I mean, Xbox Live revolutionized the whole online industry as far as console gaming is concerned. And, you know, that was one of the big things. You paid for a service, and it was supposed to produce. Yes. And you're still paying for that same service, and... I know for me it was, um, I wanted to go back and actually play Halo 2 online with the, um, oh, it's not the Anniversary Collection. Yes. The, is it the Anniversary Collection that had it on there? And I got so frustrated. The frust- Master Chief Collection. There we go, Master Chief. And I, I got so. I have it, I love it. I got so frustrated trying to get into matches that I just stopped. And it was across the whole game. Well, once they and, fixed it. Once they fixed yeah. it. Well, I, I don't want to say they fixed it, you know, it 100%. Got better. It got a lot better. Uh, because you're right, I, I, there was a period of time where when, when you first got it on the Xbox One, I would go. Make big sandwich, maybe take a nap, <laughs> uh, things like that, and it still wouldn't be on. But uh, I know they have, they have made they made efforts initially over the course of the next year it was released to try and make efforts better for that end. Um, it, if if somebody gets it now, it's I, it's something I would I would definitely strongly much more recommend than it, than when it came out at the time. I do not review it as kindly then as you would um, now. as I would now. Uh, so it's it's definitely to their advantage right now playing it because the, those series of games. Uh, looks a lot better than the original versions, and oh, it, plays, yeah. it plays a lot better at this point in time. Well, and to me, it was a little forgivable. I mean, they're packing a bunch of games in. It was, I mean, it wasn't a budget release, but it kind of was with the amount of content you were getting. Kind of like a rare replay type situation. And I, with Gears, I was, I was really surprised that it wasn't just one or two people. It was virtually everyone telling me, "Ah, this is an issue." Well, that's, here it goes. As far as you, we talked about the Master Chief Collection, but the Gears of War Collection, which is now out on the Xbox One. Uh, in the form of being an add-on for Gears of War 4, which for someone who bought it personally uh, previously is kind of a little bit, you know, hey, why did I buy this as far as initially? You can get it for yeah, free Yeah, now. and I can get it for free now, but um, the games do look a little better. Um, I'm just uh, kind of bummed out on that. But when we talk about Gears of War, the series, and how it fits in, shapes in uh, Gears of War 4, fits in with that mold. What are your thoughts as far as the horde mode, which everybody seems to be getting really into? That version has really, you know, been made stronger. I'm, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's probably what I'm most excited for. Well, and that's I, that's, I, what, I, that's become their money maker over the past year since it was Gears of War two. Well, I remember that's what I was uh, Gears of War two. I remember, and I they was, revolutionized it. I remember sitting with my friends. There were four of us on two Xboxes in the same apartment, 
and we all sat down and we started it was like you know nine or ten at night and we saw the sunrise by the time we got through level 50 yeah, yeah I mean it was one of those it was just and it kind of brought couch co-op back in that age of where everything was being pushed to online play even though we were technically playing online we were all in the same place you know cheering and yelling at each other and stuff and it, it was just fun so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to doing that again I, I'm kind of looking forward to it too but I I'm also want to see more of the, I know it had team-based co-op in the mm -hmm. past and yeah. I'm not sure if that that's something that I think it's only is it two-player co-op? it's two-player now yeah which is uh, kind of a little bit of shame it's a little bit of a step back because I miss that four-player co-op experience with people going through a campaign uh, I know it's not been done uh, at length but I think it's something that a lot of developers should look into because I think uh, it's something that I know that that there, there's been games that that actually tease co-op a little bit, but they tease like maybe a, a 30 minute segment here or a 45 minute segment there. And yeah. it really just doesn't qualify as a true co-op group co-op experience yeah. um, because it just seems nice to get, you know, hey, three, four, four people together and let's go at it as opposed to just maybe two on a couch co-op or whatnot. I really do miss couch co-op and I understand like the limitations of systems and they're pushing to make games look better, have more things going on and systems just can't handle, you know, four players running through the same campaign. But I, I would take a, I would take a little bit of a, a degradation or a little step back in, in graphical fidelity and quality to be able to play with, you know, all my friends sitting in the same room. Cause, yeah, exactly. And go uh, through the story together. Yeah, li live and, um, and the PSN are, are great and all, but I, I find myself not really utilizing them for those things because it, it's yeah you're talking to somebody but there's no feel of experiencing something with someone yeah exactly exactly indeed um, well you know your thoughts on, on Gears of War as a whole we've talked a little bit about it in the past but, but how does Gears of War what does Gears of War mean to you as far as the series is concerned how how high do you think it should be held as far as in esteem regarding with 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 gamers out there? Because uh, I know I know as far as it's been a, thought of as a foundation and a, a pillar and a benchmark for Xbox as far as behind Halo, but now that Halo you know Five has not really done what it needed to do, uh, from, especially from a campaign standpoint. Um, do you think Gears of War can now as a series pick it up I based think, on this past? I think anytime you you. You shift developers, especially when you know it was. You know, it's no secret that Cliffy B. This was kind of like his brain. I'm sorry, Cliff Blazinski. Don't want to get murdered yes. over that. <laughs> um, it was his, you know, kind of brainchild, and it all started from the idea of I want a chainsaw and a machine gun. Yes. And how do I implement that? Yes. And I know that seems like a very simple, basic thing, but it it, it sparked this whole concept of Gears of War, and it it's tough when you switch developers and you have to have another team pick up where somebody else left off and say, all right, how can we make it, you know, just as good, but different, our own. And I think it's suffering from that, same as the Halo series is, where they don't want to stray too far from those roots because they don't want to leave behind what Gears or Halo is. But they also don't want to just do the same thing over and over again. And I think that makes for very just, not blah gameplay, but in the, in the sense of Halo, it just was uninspired. It was just, I felt like it was just, shoot this group of guys and run over here. Where it was, it wasn't story driven. It didn't feel like I was really fighting in this war. Um, I, I really enjoyed Gears of War One. I, I believe too. that that story, even though it had had its issues, it still felt like it's a it was a compelling enough campaign for me to go through and continue. And then I was enamored for quite a bit on the actual multiplayer at that time because oh, I thought yeah. it was unique and engaging and something that that you could get a group of friends into and play your own private matches for quite some time. Well, it was a benchmark in graphics and a benchmark in, in you know, there was no real 
big cover-based multiplayer no, games. No, none at all. I mean, especially in the, in the shooter genre, there was nothing that was like that at all. So it filled, it filled that void. Yeah, it, it did indeed. And um, I know with Gears of War 2, while much of it felt the same, as we talked about, the Horde mode is something that they added in, which, you know, at that time revolutionized the industry uh, and which everybody seemed to jump on thereafter. And now they're doing again with enhancements to the Horde mode. Uh, making it more like almost like a strategy sim as far yeah. as it's concerned. Um, it, it just seems like the Gears of War series is done pretty good. It's done as far as, you know, maybe could do a little bit better. Um, there are some changes and tweaks I think they're still yet to be made when the Gears of War 5 ultimately comes out. But I think the series is headed in the right direction. Um, I think, you know, story issues or, or slight other issues aside that I think they will work it out. I think uh, the coalition with Rod Ferguson, who, yes, yes I understand he's not Cliffy B. Uh, I'm sorry, Cliff Blazinski. <laughs> um, but it's he's someone who has been with the series throughout, and it's something that he is familiar enough with to take the series forward. I, I would agree with that. And like, like I said, it's just I hope that they make it a little more their own instead of trying to... I don't know. I feel like Gears has such potential in being a, a bigger experience, and I... I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't played the newest one. I, I've watched quite a bit. It it's, just feels a little, I don't want to say linear, but it feels that very, I feel like cover-based cover shooters don't have to be this linear corridor-based experience. I feel like it could open up a lot more, and they could do a lot of things with that involved with the multiplayer and Would you, the game I, itself. But I don't think it should be open world. No, no, no. I'm not saying an open world, but um, it's still, I don't know, the, the, the parts that I've watched still feel just kind of claustrophobic like the previous ones. It feels a little... I don't want to say it forces you in a direction, but it, it kind of just moves you to these spots. I don't feel like I have too much of a, a choice, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. That definitely makes sense indeed. So, And I think, like I said, Gears will be a strong seller throughout the holidays. Now that Xbox, oh, yeah. has, Xbox One has uh, actually been on top now for three straight months. The news came out recently that they've beaten PlayStation 4 three straight months in a row. I think the future looks strong for Gears of War being a, another solid uh, hit uh, for this holiday season, if still promoted strongly. So it needs to be strong. I mean, uh, Microsoft doesn't have too big of a, a first-party lineup. No, no, coming up at all, and so it, 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 they're kind of banking on Gears. I think that's part of the reason they released it so early is to really push advertising moving into the holiday and creep some sales before everything else comes out. And I was surprised at the quality of the game itself, considering the fact that what they what early 2015 is when they really started on the project or when it really kicked in or was it early 2014 it was i know uh, two years. i know rod ferguson left mafia 3's development to to head up that uh you know and then they were actually work to head up the coalition and then they're working on something else but then microsoft got the gears uh franchise from epic and boom they were on their way so um it's glad to see that they were able to turn around no delays whatnot it just it came out good solid game and I see a lot of things going forward. And if you have any ideas, if you have any suggestions on where Gears of War series should go, or just have a comment about the Gears of War you know, series itself, leave a comment with either Retro City Games, Game Source also as well on Facebook, which is one of our great sites covering the world of video games and the industry as a whole. And then, of course, us right here, on Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, you can sh give us a shout out at any time. We're more than happy to hear from you because we truly, truly appreciate you listening and watching to uh, watching us now. So, 
Uh, when we come back after the break, Doug and I are talking. We're putting our glasses on. We're going to put our glasses on, and we're <laughs> going to talk some virtual reality. <laughs> what is the reality for virtual reality? Coming up right after the break. Game Source is your number one source for everything video games. Each week, we bring you the best of the video gaming world from sites all over the internet. Like us today on Facebook or follow us today at Game Source, and you'll stay up with the latest in information and news, plus also about all the great things we're doing on our Game Source Facebook, Twitter, and Game Source YouTube pages. Stay up to date with the video gaming world right here at Game Source. All right, and we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glass for along with my good friend Douglas Hoyboot, the co-owner of Retro City Games right here in Henderson, Nevada, the place to go for retro gaming here in all of Las Vegas. That was pretty good. That right? was, yeah, yeah, that, 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 was, that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, once again, I want to thank everybody that's listening out there on the podcast radio network. In our first month, we hit the top 15, and we are just truly thankful to everyone out there Almost 7,000 listeners already. We just truly appreciate it. It just blows us away every time we, we you know, we even say the Every time right. I even say those numbers, <laughs> it's just like, ah, really? <laughs> so uh, Tangent Bound Network, we, we appreciate, you know, being aboard your network as well. Uh, we want to thank you for allowing us to be on your network. If you get a chance, go to TangentBoundNetwork.com and check out all the great shows they have there as well podcast radio network you know they run every single night of the week they got some great stuff john lines it up and as uh, john sweeney just great guy just lining all, all these great shows up for for everyone to listen out there if you can't catch us on one either one of these and you're listening to us somewhere else you're probably listening to us on stitcher or on our pop culture cosmos itunes google play podcast.com channels uh, all three of those entities were on Stitcher were on as well and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com is our home site you can catch some of our episodes there as well my goodness a lot, <laughs> lot to plug all the, every time but we want to make sure we get everything in because we truly appreciate all the different ways that you can hear us and all the different people and all the different uh, places that actually will you know house our content right. so, because remember uh, there was a time where I wasn't able to go ahead and you know, I was begging people, you know, hey, I got this great show. I think you'd like to hear it. You know, right? And they would either, you know, throw, hey, okay, yeah, you can put it on our network for $10 billion gazillion, you know, it seemed like. Uh, or, you know, we'll get back to you. And, uh, but, hey, it's great to be here. Uh, it's great to be talking to you out there. And we're now talking virtual reality because yep. there is – or now a reality with virtual reality. Pretty much oh, all man. the all the main <laughs> players are out. All the main players are aboard, and I'm sitting with a man here who has now spent a good deal of time. Um, he's actually probably still thinking he's in a different reality as we speak. You know, I no uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, be a problem. <laughs> you know, throw, you know, moving that out there for for him. But you've had a lot of time to experience the the PlayStation VR. Which just came out, brand new, a lot of software support for it, which is good. I've got some some quabbles about that, but we'll go into that in a second. Okay. Um, and then you've also got the Vive. You also got the Oculus Rift, which has made more headlines recently from its uh, founder than from anything else and yep. uh, his comments. Um, you've got 
Google Cardboard, which, you know, still seems to not go away as far as a viable option. Samsung uh, Gear VR. Uh, those are pretty much the main players at this point. I'm sorry if I'm leaving anyone out. It's not intentional. Uh, but those are pretty much the main players at this point. You, you either go, it seems to be low end, a middle, and then it high end stuff. Uh, am I wrong in saying that? I, I would agree completely. And um, I think that that's not only just the quality of the product, but the price. And I think that's why, I think something like the release of PlayStation VR, I was really, really hesitant with a $400 price tag, um, having played a lot of the other stuff. But when, when you say that 400 if you, the one with all the equipment, the one that people are really kind of need is the 500 the, Yeah, no, the, I mean the 500 that, that's actually the one I picked up. Um, I had a camera. I was drawn by the uh, the fact there was a smaller camera. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a, and it's half the size. I mean, it is it is quite small. It takes up a lot less real estate. Um, I just wanted new move controllers, things like that. I've had my move controllers since it came out during the PS3 era, and they're a little they're just dingy and old. It just, okay. it just, it's, they're just well used controllers. Um, I, one of the few, <laughs> like me, who who used move controllers and enjoyed move when if, it was out. If you like light gun shooters, it turns half of your favorite PlayStation. Uh, first-person shooters into basically an arcade light gun shooter. I mean, I played through Resistance 3 the first time like that. Killzone. Part of the Killzone series like that. I mean, it's... I really, really, really enjoy them. Even Time Crisis and things like that that now have move support. Yes. It, it, it's a no-brainer. There's no hardware to set up. You set up a camera, and that's it. And then you pop it into your gun and, and go. <laughs> I, I, I love the sporting game Sports Champions. Oh, uh, yeah. That was, that was a lot of fun the to frisbee play. Frisbee golf? Yes, yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the... the Table tennis, not table tennis, but tennis was uh, oh, yeah. was really good on it. Yeah, table tennis was really good mm -hmm. on it. Uh, and archery, I kind of like the, you know, wee back. But need I digress? Uh, that was the past of the move controller. But the move controller has a, you know, a new use now in PlayStation VR. So tell us, Doug, in detail exactly your thoughts on the PlayStation VR now that you've had a chance to try it out for a bit. Oh, man, there's a lot to that. Um, well, we've got I'll time. Start, I'll, start with, I'll start with the move controller. Um, I was hesitant because of the way they've integrated the move controller before um, as more either a part of a peripheral, like i.e. a gun or a, a sword handle, things like that. Um, and when it was in your hands, it very much felt like I was holding a, a controller and doing things with it. Um, with the, the move games um, that I've played so far with it, not all move games use it, um, yeah. and some games give you the option. Um, even a... Is it, the Until Dawn. I was just playing it last night. Um, is it Bound in Blood? Blood. blood Rush of Blood. Rush of Blood. There we go. Um, you have the option to either use the controller or the um, the move controllers. Yes. Um, I found that the move controllers were much better. They turned it more into just a, a shooter. But it's a very underrated. Uh, you know, it'll it will always go down in history to me as a very underrated apparatus, um, underused. I, I think this uh, will change it, that. It <laughs> underperformed. Uh, I know sales wise dramatically, but I, I think as far as uh, what it contributed to the video game world. I think, yes, it came after the Wii and the Wii mode and whatnot, but I think it was a, a much better iteration of motion control. It was so much more than the, what the Wii was offering, though, um, with, the, with the software especially. I mean, uh, there's very few Wii games that really integrate true motion controls. A lot of it is either doing a, a certain movement, which is the same as pressing a button, for all practical, for all intensive purposes, yeah. Um, or it's just I'm swinging and it's just kind of it's you're doing attacks, but it's not tracking you at all. Yeah. There's very few games like Twilight Princess and things like that where you have to hit specific spots and you actually have to aim and do things like that. Um, all the or I won't say all, but all the move games I've played 
were like that, where it's it's very much about accuracy and using the controls and actually getting good with good at it. But Indeed. it fell into that oh, it's just a weak loan. Which, unfortunately, that's... I mean, I got it. That's what I kind of thought at first. Yeah, that's what happens when it came out second. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it was that. I mean, when I was a Sony rep and, and I was showing it to people and demonstrating people, they were amazed. But, you know, when it came down to actually looking into it, well, isn't the Wii, at, you know, X amount cheaper? Isn't isn't uh, having that experience, you know, maybe it's not not quite the engrossing experience, mm-hmm. but, hey, it's it's much less. They would they would pretty much go for that one. So I could, I could see why that that's the case. But... You know, getting back to PlayStation VR, so your preference is using the Move controllers, and how does that really when, incorporate with a lot of the games? So uh, most of the games I've played use it as either um, you have a gun in your hand, like in, um, in Until Dawn, or um, it's it's when your hands are on screen, um, it's literally just pull the triggers and open the triggers for um, opening and closing your hands, which you think, oh, I'm just pulling a trigger. But when you're opening and closing your hand, you're pretty much moving your that finger in the same way anyway. Yeah. So after a while, it feels very... I mean, after a while, after a few minutes, it feels very natural that you're just grabbing things. Um, the the fav- My favorite thing is that it's not just a motion control, and the, the, the trackballs themselves track the, the movement of your hand in a way that... Let's say you pick up a gun off of a table, yeah. like in a heist uh, in the VR worlds. Um, you pick a gun up off the table... And now however I move that gun, even if I am sitting here and I move it and I shoot behind me, I can literally shoot behind me because tracking the direction of that um, ball. Well, when I move, when you pick up a magazine, you don't, just, you don't just hit a button and reload. You have to actually physically pick up a magazine and stick it into the gun. Well, the first couple of times I was just kind of sticking the controllers together yeah. and nothing was happening because in most video games you just touch things and that kind of works. Of you course. have to physically track that ball into the bottom of the gun. And to me, it was those little tiny things that after, you know, 30, 45, an hour worth of playing, everything just started becoming natural. Where I'm, I'm just sitting there playing, but I'm ducking out of the way of things. And it, I didn't have to think about it. And it didn't feel like, oh, man, I'm using a motion control to do these things. It just kind of, after a while, it's so immersive. And there's nothing that you feel like, oh, man, I can't do because it's limiting me. I feel like with motion controls in the past, like I said, if, if you're shooting something on screen, you're targeting the screen itself, like a light gun shooter. In this, I'm in that world, and I just happen to be, you know what I mean, moving how I want. So I can I can shoot and move, touch, grab, do whatever to the environment around me. Okay. And I feel that move controller really helps with that in the way it tracks. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, and, well, one of the things I want to ask when it comes to PlayStation VR is I understand it comes with bundled software with it, but there's a lot of people saying that, you know, a lot of the VR games as a whole for all the VR entities are just basically glorified demos. When somebody asks you that, when somebody tells you they, that that's your opinion, uh, that's their opinion, what are your thoughts, what do you say to them as far as maybe uh, as, a, uh, as a reply, as a response to those type of questions? So the, the, the system, um, both bundles, or the, one, the non-bundle and the bundle both come with a demo disc. I haven't opened that. I just looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is demos for basically the eight games that are already out. Mm-hmm. for the system, which I actually kind of like because that means you can test and see what you want to get. I picked up um, uh, the one I haven't played, and I keep forgetting the name, is the Human Simulator one. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I want some time to actually get into that, um, which I haven't had. Um, the Until Dawn, and I picked up uh, Eve Valkyrie. Okay. okay? The idea of a, a space shooter was like, that's a no-brainer. Um, so, to the glorified demos, uh, the only one that I felt that way uh, is VR Worlds. 
Um, it, it's a pack-in, and in, in essence, when you look at the price of everything, you're getting it for free. You save 40 bucks basically buying the bundle as opposed to buying everything separate. But the hardware is slightly different, i.e. the camera and things like that. Um, but the games, those games definitely do feel like more of a, a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Um, Heist is maybe, I want to say, 45 minutes an hour long. Um, it's fun, uh, but half of it you're sitting there being interrogated just looking around a room. Yeah. Um, the... The underwater exploration is very much just s- sit there and look around the water and just um, wait. Uh, okay, you're not swimming. No, nope, not not in the uh, the two that I did. Um, there's I think five. There's like a there's the one from the we saw the videos of where the shark attacks. Yes, um, that was the first one Nicole did. Um, and you basically sit there and it's more about it's more about watching what's going around. You don't actually interact with anything. Um, the coral one you had a little bit of interaction but not much. And then there's two other dives or two or three other dives you can do. Um, the uh, the losing one um, is very much just it, it's motion you just lean left and right to control it was fun for a few rounds um, I don't see myself going back to really try to get like high scores like it's trying to get me to do and that's that's what I wanted to ask because I mean because a lot of the the developers when they make these some of these VR games they are kept short because they're worried about a uh, you know obviously they're worried about people getting motion sickness things of that nature even though they they guarantee that it's been reduced to minimum but doesn't the games actually end up suffering themselves uh, a little bit and that's that's what I was I was I was starting out with VR world because I wanted to compare that to the rest the other two that I've played and VR worlds is definitely that you can tell they just wanted to um, the, the underwater creation is very much just a, we're showing you what we can do with an environment uh, heist is very much all right this is what we can do with um, weapons and shooting and this is how it works the uh, what is it? it's headball or whatever is very much like the losing one where it's it's just showing this is how we track movement and how natural feel but once you get into the other games um, like the until dawn where it, it is on a rails I mean it's a roller coaster uh, in essence it's, it's a it's a rail shooter is basically what it comes down to but the level of immersion when things are are jumping over walls at you and, and you're having to shoot, but you're looking to your left, and it it feels like a full game to me. It feels like I'm playing a, a light gun shooter okay. that I'm actually sitting in that world. Um, Eve, uh, I've got to put about an hour into it, and I don't think I've scratched the surface. There is a lot to that game. There's a lot you can upgrade. Um, the multiplayer is pretty awesome. It's 16 players online. Nice. Um, the campaign you can run... Unfortunately, you can only run um, the campaign cooperatively, the little bit campaign that it has cooperatively over the internet. So you have to play with somebody else you know that has it. Okay. So there's no, obviously, couch co-op. Um, although it does I, it does display what you are playing on your TV in a much lower resolution. I don't know if they could integrate interaction with a, a second player that way. Um, I don't know if the, the unit itself has enough power to handle that. Yeah. Um, there already is a secondary box you have to plug in, but that's a whole other story um, that helps with some of that processing. Um, but to answer your question, and truly, I I feel like this it's it's like any launch title. I mean, it's is it a is it indicative of what the final you know opinion of the of the system will be? No. Is it a great start in my opinion? Yes. I I have no regrets in buying the system. I have no regrets in buying the games that I've bought so far. Um, something like Eve, I'll go back to all the time. What are some of the fee- what's some of the feedback that that, uh, that people are, are telling you about VR? So that's that's as weird. Uh, the reviews I've seen have all been slightly mixed, but overall positive. Um, the I think the problem is it's a pretty limited right now. 
Um, if you didn't pre-order it, I got really lucky in finding one because my pre-order had an issue, it turned out. Uh, so I got lucky and got one. Um, but I know a lot of people that want it, and either it's the price point or it's um, it's availability right now. So the people I know that have played it are loving it. But I, I don't know a ton of people that have it, I'll be honest. It's it's one of those things, I mean, especially if you don't have a PS4. I mean, you're looking at an entry point of, what, about a grand? I mean, that's that's a steep, steep <laughs> price and, point. And if you, you're interested in the Vive or the Oculus Rift, the price goes even higher because you need oh. a gaming PC that supports it, so you may have, either have to replace or upgrade that and PC. And then you're looking at seven, eight, nine hundred $900. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's definitely for the money. Um, it's good. It's got an OLED screen. Um, it's very comfortable and light. Um, the only issues I've had a little bit is... Um, if the if you get a little um, because some of the games you know you're actually moving and things if you get a little um, hot it can fog up the lenses a little bit and I've had issues where I've had to stop and like grab the microfiber and clean them off real quick just like regular glasses of course um, uh, my only pet peeve and I, I'm I don't seem to remember it too much on the the Oculus when I played it a little bit um, it's no LED screen it's 1080p um, but the games sometimes you can see the screen a little bit. If that makes sense. You see between the pixels ever so slightly. Yeah. Um, it's bothersome when I first put it on. The first like two minutes, I'm like, eh, I can kind of see that. Then it fades and you stop paying attention to it. But that's that would be that would be one issue or a couple issues that I actually do have with it. Now I know a lot of uh, big time developers uh, have actually big time publishers have also stepped into the VR world. I know um, there's going to be a new uh, Warner Brothers with, with the new Batman VR game coming out. Um, obviously, it's uh, out. E- oh, it's out. It was so actually the hardest. E- yes. It was one of the hardest games to get because that's what everybody wanted. <laughs> um, the well, the EA with the Star Wars Battlefront X-wing I, missions. Oh God. <laughs> no, what? Say it, I say know it. I want it. <laughs> I just haven't done it yet. Oh, okay. Um, are they available for downloads? I th- no, no, it's not. Because they're all this last night. They're is, only available for for retail shelves on. Well, in is, a Star Wars out? is it is it out yet? I uh, I'm not. That's what by this by this time it'll be out. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I could be wrong, but I don't believe it was a launch. Okay. I don't believe, but because unless it's separate, cause it might be part of the DLC in Battlefront. Okay. Because I didn't see it as a separate download when I was looking through the VR. But I know that's that's going to be short, but very sweet uh, as far as being able to sit in the cockpit. Of an, of an X-Wing uh, going on a mission there. So I know a lot of people are curious about that. I'm excited for that, but come on. VR lightsaber battles? There you go. That's uh, <laughs> that's what I want. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, word word to EA on that one. But uh, Oh, my God. So what's the future look like for, for virtual reality? Do you, What do you see as far as uh, the, the industry as a whole? Because right now, yes, all the players are out. All the players, major players, are available. But what does the future really hold? I know Microsoft has its own entity coming in the future, but that's HoloLens, not, yeah, right? HoloLens, which they don't want to say is virtual reality. It's an augmented reality, but okay, it's going to be looped into the rest of virtual reality yeah. as far as it's you know, you know, as far as anyone can say it, because you know, to the regular consumer, it's just going to seem like it's, you know they're going to line it up with the PlayStation VR. They're going to line it up with the Vive. They're going to line it up with Oculus Rift. It's all going to be the same thing. But what are your thoughts as far as where the industry can go, and what are your thoughts on on what you would like to see more from virtual reality? Um, the 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 biggest thing. How do I say this? 
I, I think the only issue is the, the limitations of the consoles at the moment, and that that goes back to the the higher price point with the the PC. Yeah. For the the five hundred dollar four hundred dollar entry fee or five hundred dollars for the bundle, like you were saying, um, it's it's very approachable, and I think it, I, I almost treat it as a different console. It's hard for me to like look at it as a PlayStation Four. It really feels like it, completely it's not, different. Yeah, it's more than just an add on. It's more like, than just an accessory. And I'm wondering if eventually that might be the way it goes, um, in the sense that. Um, I'll go back to what I said before with with a separate box. There's a separate. Um, it looks like a mini PS4 aesthetically um, that you plug in that helps with some of the rendering. Um, I have I've seen the specs on it, but I, they haven't really released too much what that actually does. But it very much just seems like it's helping with a little bit of the processing yeah. in rendering the actual skeletons and things before um, it happens and dealing with the motion controls. Um, I'm wondering if we'll see a future where the VR headsets might be bundled with a system that's more. A little more powerful or geared directly towards VR doesn't have all the clunky other things that you would need because it really there is a there's nothing you can do with VR outside of the VR you can run through the menus and all that but once you go into a different game you could I believe use it as a screen to play but I don't know why you would yeah. unless unless you were doing that where you're just gonna sit there and somebody else something on the TV while you play but I, I how do I say this? I have I have high hopes for it. Is it perfect right now? No. No, and far is it from ex- it. Is it extremely for me? Is it extremely fun? Yes. Nicole and I were loving it, um, but I do I do see the flaws um, mainly in in graphical fidelity a little bit. Games obviously don't look like AAA titles that would be coming out now, even from AAA studios like the Until Dawn. Even though it's a very it's very much an on rail shooter, graphics are nowhere near what Until Dawn was. Not even yeah. in the same. Ballpark. Ballpark, not even not even close. Um, so that's the limiting. And then we we got a the price of 4K needs to drop. If if the screen was 4K and you didn't have the the small problems with pixelation, or not pixelation, but seeing between the pixels, I think it'd be a completely different experience. What about the issue of motion sickness? Because I know that will be a barrier, a big barrier of entry for a lot of general consumers who who are fearful of getting motion sickness. Um, it, there's like 10,000 warnings on the box, the manual, the uh, <laughs> when you start, that it says before you buy it, um, test it somewhere. Um, and I would agree, because that's one of the things I was really worried about. Uh, the 3DS, I almost can't play in 3D mode. I play everything in the 2D mode. Um, because if I'm looking away into the, the non-3D world, the real world, and then back to that, I get ridiculously dizzy. I The room spins and I'm done. Um, I We already kind of see that issue, though. I mean, with first-person shooters... Uh, there's a huge, I mean, customer base that we have, and a huge part of the community that can't play shooters because the the move, moving around just makes them incredibly dizzy. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it all depends on what percentage of the population has that issue. Um, me personally, I was really scared of it because I wasn't sure. I'd only played for you know 10, 15 minutes at a time at you know conventions and things. I hadn't sat there for an hour and played. And then I've heard of people that um, Kotaku had a write up about six months ago. Uh, one of the guys sat there and played it. Uh, was on stage at E3 and had to do everything he could to not throw up all over the stage because he was in the thing for about half an hour doing a demo and he said it hit like that like all the, he was fine and then all of a sudden so I it's just like anything only time will tell to see how many people have an issue with it but for those of us that don't I if they you, recommend, out, if you they, recommend it yeah if they came out with a new iteration two years from now I'll probably be one buying it I mean that's just, it's I'm that hooked on it and that speaks volumes right there <laughs> 
uh, for one of you know the main main resources for for video gaming here in Southern Nevada. It's Retro City Games, <laughs> and Douglas, I'm telling you, it, it sounds like it is something that that people should at least go out of your way to try, especially this holiday season. You're all going to be out. You're all going to be shopping. You're all going to be going buy this at a at a selected retailer, and there's going to be plenty of retailers that have these demo setups. You know what? Just ask to go and try these out, just w- even for a few minutes. Correct? I, I would recommend trying it because I, I could also see people just not liking it. Um, it, it really is. I, I don't want to say you're, you're physically moving, but some games you are. It's it's a physical experience, not in the sense of like like I said, a Wii or a traditional move, but there definitely is an interaction that isn't just you know hanging out, laying on your bed, or sitting on a couch playing a game. It, it definitely is a little different than that. Do you see it going the way as far as other similar type of experiences? Uh, in the fact that you know when the Connect came out, that was, that was you know heralded and things of that. You know, I, I want to see something like that because you know that came in with a, a, like a flurry and and unfortunately just you know died a, a miserable death once the Xbox One came out. Um, seeing as how I have one of the last Xbox One Connects probably still plugged in. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I wasn't that big of a fan of the Connect. Um, Mainly because it felt like the Wii to me, where yeah. the, the games that were really interactive, I, I'm standing there and doing all this stuff, and it just wasn't the the I don't know the, the chill hanging out experience that I yeah. kind of wanted with a video game. Um, the I think VR is a little different though, in that it, it, it transcends the the gaming medium, where I, I can watch there's there's VR experiences such as I can go to a museum, literally in VR, and walk around that museum and look around. There's there's movies that are being pitched and, and worked on in VR right now. Uh, there were experiences at Hatsume Miko, um, ex- like concert experience that I downloaded last night. Uh, it finished while I was sleeping, so I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Um, but there, there's more than just the, the, the gaming aspect. I could even see some sort of chat experience where, you know, you're... I have a relative in another state, and me and we both have it, and we could chat face-to-face and actually... Or I don't want to say interact, but be there yeah or be or be surrounded by several different individuals from all over like all surrounding you and whatnot on a there's, group chat and so i yeah i think even if even if a lot of people don't adopt it early on for the gaming there's there's so much more potential in what vr can be and i think that, that's why fa- facebook invested so much money into oh, oculus yeah. rift i think that's what they saw as a potential future outside of gaming i would agree with that i don't know if i like i don't know if these other last little uh, i don't call it an expo but their last little um showing where they were kind of showing some of the VR stuff it wasn't really that <laughs> exciting it was more like a uh, I don't want to say it's like a hangout but it was more like go talk to stranger type of thing I don't know it was it was a really weird really weird use of it well you know they're trying <laughs> like you said they're trying everything developers are coming up with all different sorts of uses some may hit some may miss but uh, virtual reality seems like it's here and hopefully this time it'll be here to stay agreed yes uh, unlike uh, Nintendo's past venture with it uh, the, yeah. I mean, if, if if all the games were in red, I might have a problem, too. There you go. Although I love the virtual <laughs> one. <laughs> with that being said, uh, this is, again, Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm here with my good friend, Douglas Hoyabu. This is Gerald Glassford. Want to make sure to let you know out there that we are, are so appreciative of the thousands of listeners that listen to us on the Podcast Radio Network. We're also, again, on the Tangent Bound Network. We're on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Podcast.com, and our home site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com you get a chance check us out on facebook and twitter uh our you know pop culture cosmos on facebook pop culture cosmo on twitter 
Uh, Doug, did you have anything you wanted to add as far as for Retro City Games? How can they get a hold of you? What's you know? Um, you can get a hold of us at Facebook uh, slash Retro City Games NV. Um, yeah, if you guys are ever in the Las Vegas area, come check us out. Um, even if you just want to message us, you have a question on Facebook, want to know something, want to talk to us. They, they know. <laughs> they, oh, well, they go get that three o'clock in the in the morning. And, uh, hey, dog, I want to talk to you. More, than, more than you think. Yes. Well, you know now. <laughs> yes, I know now. Believe me, believe me, I know. Uh, but RobinCallumFilms.com, if you want to check out all the great projects he has going on there, including box art, the docu series. Any updates right now, or just uh, we our next set of filming? I know Rob was just filming um, on some of his travels. We will be in uh, at Pure, the Portland Retro Gaming Expo um, in. Uh, six days, seven days. I'm um, doing some interviews up there, um, and then we'll be in San Francisco right after that. Um, and then we have later in the month, uh, later in November, uh, some Chicago interviews lined up. And uh, that's probably going to be it for the new year. We're probably going to uh, see what we have, what else we can, where else we can go with it. But yeah, it's exciting this month. Sweet, very sweet indeed. Um, Henson Engine. If you want to check out the first three levels, the demo there, check it out HensonEngine.com. Um, good friends, the Wine, Women, and Words. Check out their podcast on YouTube and also as well on um, you know, Mario Party Wars. Our good friends there. You still catch their live Twitch streams that they do during the course of the week. Um, and, well, you know, we, we appreciate it. all started from GameSource on GameSource on Facebook, which is still the leader as far as sharing and, and reporting on the industry of video games and all of its goodness. So check it out, GameSource on Facebook. Uh, we truly appreciate you supporting us on social media on all of our different venues uh, as we you know, continue to provide you with, with outstanding content week after week, day after day. So um, at least we try to. Right. You know, <laughs> it sounds good anyway. We try. Yes. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos. .wordpress.com And we're live once again. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Game Source. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source along with my good friend, the author of Vendetta Dark, the man, the myth, the legend himself. It's Josh Peterson. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. There you go. I know, I know we got a, uh, a battle royale coming up uh, in the near future in regards to the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe that I know both uh, you and uh, Diana from One Woman of Words wants to, well, have some words with me on, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, today we're going to talk a, a lot of other, other projects out there um, from pop culture. But first, you know, I, I spoke earlier with... Um, both uh, Daniel, uh, uh, excuse me, Christian, Samurai Chris. Uh, we appreciate him for, for you know, allowing him to take some time to talk to us about esports. But he also talked to us uh, about some Gears of War 4. And I know I spoke to at length um, the owner, one of the, co- the co-owner at Retro City Games, uh, Douglas Hoyabu. We talked about it at length as well. Um, I want to hear your thoughts since you're actually reviewing it for our site at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. You're actually reviewing Gears of War 4. You actually have Gears of War 4 in your possession. And there you go right there. So I want to hear your thoughts on the game as a whole and how it fits as well into the Gears of War legacy and where it will go from there. 
I love this game. It, I, seriously, I, I I don't know how else to say it because I I've had a lot of trouble getting into video games for a while. Ever since Halo Five disappointed me, I've been less enthused about games. But then Gears of War came out, and it's just I cannot stop playing it. I'm I'm probably about halfway through right now, but it's 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 great. I mean, all everything that was like choppy and uh, odd about the first three games, they completely fixed. So you have this. New team, you have new weapons, you have new bad guys, and you're you're fighting, uh, you're fighting the cog, and you're fighting this new enemy type called the swarm, and it's just you think that that would be busy because you know with Halo Five they have like the the Guardians Covenant and all that stuff, but like it's it really not every, everything flows really well, and I love the main characters. That whole dynamic between uh, Marcus Phoenix and his son is just fantastic, and the dialogue flows so well. It, it is that I'm. I want to get I want to get to the end before I like make a full opinion on it, but so far I am loving it. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear because uh, I know the the game itself has garnered strong reviews for the most part, uh, with a lot of people commenting on the new structured, the newly structured campaign and how it focuses a lot on elements uh, maybe taken from other movies such as uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens and whatnot. Um, but also as well, the, the horde mode, the multiplayer, while the multiplayer, uh, avenues have been, uh, added on to a little bit added modes and whatnot, the, the horde mode, which was, you know, once the, the creation almost of, uh, Gears of War two, uh, has now been revamped and, uh, added even more and to make it even stronger than it was before. Have you had a chance to delve into those uh, aspects yet? And, and what are your thoughts on that? I have not had a chance to play it yet, but it frightens me because with Gears of War 2, I spent countless hours of my life playing Horde mode. And I even got to 99 once and the game froze and I didn't get the achievement for finishing the rest of them. Oh, man. Yeah, but I, it, I saw videos. I've read reviews. It, it all looks really good. I can't wait to dive into it. Maybe, you know... Get a little land party going with some people I know. There you go. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, w- when you're talking about the Gears of War four setup, it looks like it's 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 going to be a strong entry in the series. Um, I've told you on a personal level. Uh, I thought when uh, they went outside the box to a different development company to go to uh, Gears of War Judgment, I thought that's when they jumped the shark, um, so to speak, and the the series took a turn for for the worse or in a negative fashion so was, you know i know some people disagree with me on that aspect but I, I really thought judgment was a game that that set the series back a little bit but you're saying that now gears of war 4 has set the series forward even more i've seen a lot of footage of it uh, i was very impressed uh but i wanted to get your thoughts you think the gears of war 4 will set the series forward yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a great launching point for another, you know, two or three games. Judgment did set the game quite, uh, set the franchise back quite a bit. What what you could tell with the original three Gears of War is that they were kind of making up the story as they go. They didn't really have a clear direction. Like a lot of people I talk to about it, they say that the narrative is really confusing, and it it is. Like it ends, and it doesn't. You don't really have any closure at all. You're just kind of like all right, so she's dead. What are we going to do next? And then that's really the end of it. But like with this, there's actually, the narrative is really good. There's a lot of great writing, a lot of great dialogue between the characters. And you don't have that sense of like, 
what's going on? What's going on? Because they're they're explaining everything. It's that whole uh, concept that filmmakers use, uh, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid. That's what they're doing with Gears of War 4, and it, it's working really well. I, I, I love it. Uh, sounds good indeed. Uh, that's Gears of War 4, uh, looking to add on into uh, the Gears of War legacy and the Gears of War franchise that, that has done so well so far. And I remarked with Douglas uh, that I thought that Gears of War series now has a chance to take a stronger foothold within the Xbox foundation. Uh, his comments were that uh, he, uh, that he was thinking that there's not a lot of titles or iterations out there uh, that Xbox has as a first party property. So uh, Gears of War can take this time with a very solid entry, uh, which appears to be uh, to take an even stronger, stronger foothold foot onto the xbox uh you know landscape uh even so much so because you, as like you said so many people were uh like yourself disappointed with halo 5 do you think gears of war can someday take the mantle and be the number one franchise for the xbox oh yeah definitely because i mean if halo 6 is anything like halo 5 it's going to be kind of massively disappointing and you know there aren't a lot of first person properties out for xbox one that are any good you had you know, at E3 last year, or, you know, this past year, uh, Sony just blew everyone away with, uh, you have uh, Horizon, Horizon Zero, is that what that game's called? Uh, well, are you talking about uh, for... Um, PlayStation 4? Yeah, yeah, that's 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 next year, coming next year, yes. Yeah. Horizon was, Zero Dawn, I believe it is. Yeah, that game looked fantastic. And they just, they had a whole line of, like, Sony exclusives that just it made me want to go out and buy a PlayStation. But you looked at stuff like... But the Xbox has, and they had a ReCore, and that game, I played a demo of it, and it just, you know, people don't seem to like it. I didn't really like it that much, but, so Gears of War is really, like, it has the opportunity to be their, kind of their flagship, you know, assuming Halo drops down from that spot at the moment. Uh, indeed. Uh, I think it does have a strong chance, especially if uh, there's another um, setback in the series for Halo, such as Halo 5. I know Halo 5 as a multiplayer was is a pretty strong entry, but people seem to still focus on that that weak campaign that weak campaign that it had, including yourself. You know who noted that that's probably the the least uh, favorite part of the game itself. So Gears of War is looks like it's going to be a strong entry into the series as far as number four is concerned. Um, where do you think the series will go from here with number five and number six? Now that looks like it's, you know, the gears of war series is now reborn again. Like you said, it, it looks like there's kind of doing the star Wars thing where they're passing the mantle down, kind of giving you closure for the other characters that were in the series before. I mean, everyone loves, you know, Marcus and Dom and Baird and Cole, but uh, this is a chance for a, a new generation. It's a, fr- it's basically, it's, it's a fresh start for the franchise and they could, literally go any number of directions i don't know particularly where they might go right now because i need to finish the game but uh. (laughs) fair enough fair enough indeed uh so that's josh's thoughts on gears of war 4 if you have your own thoughts on gears of war 4 uh and also where the series will go from here uh please let us know on either pop culture cosmos on facebook at pop pop culture cosmo on twitter also as well at Game Source on Twitter and Game Source on Facebook. You can let us know on any of these entities, or you can email us uh, at popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. 
So we've got coming up next, we're going to be talking a lot of TV and a lot of film that uh, Josh is itching to talk about. So let's, uh, let's keep a secret on what, uh, you know, what is going to be talked about until right after the break. This is the Game Source and also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos. It's time for more sarcasm, more gloating, more pop culture BS, and ridiculous video game chat as GamerCast returns for Season 2. My name is Rob McCallum, and this year, once again, I'm joined by Mr. Glenn Stanway and my lifelong friend, Jay Bartlett. This year, the show moves to a slightly different format, favoring a more unedited adventure that lets us include more topics as we get together once a month to vent and celebrate everything going on in the gaming industry today and yesteryear. So if you like the idea of arguing with us, though we'll never be able to hear you, then you definitely want to check out GamerCast. Season 2 is really going to take it up a notch. That's GamerCast here on the PCC, the Pop Culture Cosmos, on iTunes, and on Podbean. And we're back. Uh, Once again, this is the Game Source Podcast and the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. How are you? This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source along with my good friend Josh Peterson, author of Vendetta Dark, which you can get today on Amazon.com. If you get a chance, check it out. Also as well, we want to just thank all of our our people who who, and groups who help us out with uh, everything we do at Pop Culture Cosmos, uh, including Retro City Games, Nicole and Doug are fantastic. Rob McCallum with RobMcCallumFilms.com. Check out all of his projects that he's got going on there. Mario Party Wars, Wine, Women, and Words, which is also on our popculture.wordpress.com. They are, you know, have a weekly um, uh, podcast devoted to to books and the literary world. And also we want to thank, you know, all of the people that listen to us, but especially the Podcast Radio Network. Uh, John, you do a great job. We just appreciate you helping us out with that and allowing us on your, your network. And the Tangent Bound Network, uh, we appreciate being a part of that as well. You, If you can't hear us on the Podcast Radio Network, the Tangent Bound Network has us covered. And if you can't hear us on either of those stations, you can also take check us out at, well, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Podcast.com, and PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com, which has the latest uh, three episodes on that site, but every every other channel has uh the pop culture cosmos channel on itunes stitcher podcast.com and also as well uh google play has uh, all of our previous episodes as well so whew, that's uh a lot for me to talk about but i know josh had a lot of things he wants to talk about as well um starting with the new rogue one trailer so are you like a lot of people like me that is now really, really super hyped for Rogue One? It was a very impressive trailer. What are your thoughts on Rogue One? Oh yeah, I'm hyped. I'm, I I like the idea that we're having, we're taking a, a story that we know but we don't really know anything about, and it's ending. So we have it's going to be a two hour movie, and we're not going to have to wait for a whole another trilogy to come out. That's what I'm looking forward to. But it looks so good. It looks so dark. Like I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Star Wars movie to to have that to take that kind of tone. You can see in the trailer too, and it's just it's re- it, lo- it looks really interesting. Especially, um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Donnie Yen 
I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen It Man or anything, but Donnie Yen is a uh, – sorry. No problem you're, at you're, all. You're all right? You're all right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't yeah. sure what was going on. <laughs> no, I was, like, I was just saying, uh, you know, keep talking and whatnot. Uh, this part will be edited out of the audio, so no worries. Um, just was, made sure I had to get something out of the oven. So it's like I was running out of things to say. <laughs> but um, Rogue One was very impressive to me, and you know I was already hyped on the film uh, and whatnot. Uh, but I, I just thought it provided a little bit more clarification for people on the fence. I'm still not expecting it to do Force Awakens numbers, and I don't think anyone if should have that that expectation as well. But I do think there's, uh, you know, a lot of more optimism about the movie as a whole because I know that a lot of people were kind of unclear on what the story was going to be about. Yeah, and it's you got to remember it's a pocket movie, so it's not like you're uh, you're not going to have to wait for three movies to know how the story comes to completion. We already know how it comes to completion. We just don't know the details in between, and that's what I like about this is that we're not going to have to wait, so we can just kind of watch as we like. All right, that's cool. Whether or not they'll show these characters that are in the movie, we don't know because we don't know how the movie ends. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I don't think it'll do Force Awakens numbers. I, I don't think it's – a lot of people aren't as, really as stoked about this as I've heard uh, people were about Force Force Awakens. But I personally, I can't wait to watch it. I just – it looks dark and gritty. It looks like it has a really, like, deep storyline. So that's something, too, with uh, Matt what, Mads Michelson. Like, he – I, I'm curious what his part is. That's that's what's, you know, peaked Well, he'll be the answer to a trivia question. Who was the major character in both uh, a Marvel and a Star Wars movie that premiered within one calendar month of each other? Wait, wait, say that again. Uh, what was it? Okay, it'll be the answer to a trivia question uh, down the line. It'll be on Jeopardy. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen is the only major character to appear in both a Marvel and a Star Wars movie that um, debuted one month apart. Oh, Doctor Strange. Yes, you're right. So, uh, you know, for you folks that are going to be, you know, getting into a Jeopardy contest anytime soon, there you go. But um, I'm also very, very intrigued uh, now that I see more about his character. It was always theorized that he was going that he was, you know, uh, Urso's Urso's dad, whatnot. But now it's obviously it's more solidified. It's it's real. It's it's what happened. Uh, and then you see the evolution of of you know where he was when he was captured by the Imperial forces to to where he he was when he was you know, on the verge of, of finishing the, his creation of the Death Star. And it's just really just looks like it, it just a very, very intriguing movie to me. Now, I agree with you on as far as the interest. I think the Han Solo solo movie, you know, Han Solo solo movie, uh, will have much more interest, I think, from a ba- from a fan base, you know, outside of the Star Wars realm because – so many people are familiar with his character as a as an you know icon in pop culture, but I do feel that Rogue One now has a lot more interest among a casual fan base, and I think it's really going to do do well. But it will not, uh, as I said previously, if it does half the numbers, that's still a billion dollar movie, and I think Disney and Star Wars should be satisfied with that. Right? Yeah, they. Uh... You know, Disney, Disney does it. It's not like they can't afford a flop. You know, you have, you hear about those movies like, you know, Lone Ranger, John Carter and do well. It's not like 
you know, it's a big dent out of their bank account or anything. Well, a billion dollars is still going to be a profitable movie for them. Oh yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's the, this movie, it looks like it's aimed more towards hardcore, like legitimate star Wars people, like hardcore fans and people who are interested in storytelling. That's, that's what excites me about it. Cause it looks violent and gritty. So I, I guarantee you that parents are going to want to go watch it first before they take their kids to see it. Um, I mean, that, that could be a good thing that, that could be a bad thing, but who, who knows? But I'm personally, I'm excited to see it because I just have never seen Star Wars like that before. It's, it's a different uh, look at it indeed. And I, I definitely look forward to it as well. Um, I'm hoping to talk to you more about it in the coming weeks uh, here on Pop Culture Cosmos. I'm hoping to talk more about it at length and, and you know see where it falls in line with the Star Wars universe. It will be very, very interesting to see what the results are, but also the interest among casual fans and Star Wars hardcore fans alike. Well, there's uh, also something else you wanted to talk about in regards to the most recent New York Comic Con that, that was, uh, you know, that recently took place. Iron Fist, the TV show, um, and this relates some, to something that you wrote about on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, an article you did recently that you posted there in regarding to comic books in the age of the offended, um, and I. I I, I thought it was a very, very highly entertaining article. I encourage everyone to read it. And it, uh, you know, obviously touches on a lot of points in today's politically correct environment that, that a lot of issues, you know, people would take with, with way comic books are constructed. And, you know, obviously the casting of Iron Fist has left uh, uh, some to be, you know, well, there's the term whitewashing and there's the terms that, that there should be a lead Asian actor and whatnot. And those are all justified um, uh, considerations. Those are all justified, you know, um, arguments. Um, they should be, you know, considered strongly because of the basis of the character uh, with the environment that he's in and whatnot. But you have some also thoughts on this well, as far as the Iron Fist TV series, what are your thoughts on the character itself? And where do you think, it will fit along with the Marvel universe, the defenders and, and how well do you think it will do once it starts to really, you know, roll on Netflix? I think it'll do really well because he's a character that not a lot of people know that much about. Um, You know, obviously there's some concern there when, you know, you hear about iron fist, a guy who basically his superpower is his fist. And it just, you know, it's lights up with energy and, you know, when he punches people, but obviously the concern there was like, How's that going to look? Is it going to look like, are they actually going to put like some effort and money into the special effects? Or is it going to be something like heroes on Netflix where anybody with after effects could create something like that? Um, but it looks good. Then the trailers, I don't know if you watch the trailers, the, the fist looks good. The action looks good. It looks like it's got some like deep storylines. I think it's going to be, it could be on par with the first season of daredevil personally. Um, well, I think with Marvel's, you know, Marvel's not going to put out a product at this point in time that they're dissatisfied with. Uh, they're not going to put out a luck, lackluster pod product, even though it is going to go beyond Netflix or it is going to be on ABC, you know, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatnot. They are uh, Agent Carter or whatnot. They still go out of the way to provide an acceptable budget and acceptable effects for the audience that views it. Uh, they're not shortchanging the audiences just because it's not going to be in front of the silver screen. Right, right. And that's a, that's a great thing to me because they – they have the bar set and they don't want to get down below it. So that's why I've always liked um, 
Agents of Shield because their special effects, yeah, it's on TV, so it's not like you know, don't expect something like you would see, you know, on uh, the big screen. You don't, you're not going to see a lot of like hardcore effects and you know, rotoscoping what people do in the industry. But uh, you know, you're, they're they're definitely going to put money and effort into it, and that's why I'm looking forward to seeing Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield because he actually just from what I've seen the pictures and the trailer, like he. It looked like they put some time into it. But as for where Iron Fist is going to fit in in the greater Marvel universe, I feel like his his series is really going to kick off where the Defenders starts off. And it's going to set the tone of what we can expect from the Defenders. And um, I don't know if you've been re- reading a lot of the stuff. Uh, Jeff Loeb and uh, the Russo brothers have been talking about where the Netflix shows fit into the greater universe at large. And I... It seems to be both ways when you talk to Kevin Feige, the Rooster Brothers. You know, they will be a part of it. They will not be a part of it. I think I think it's really kind of cute that you know that they're playing games with the fans as far as whether or not they will or will not be it. I think that at some point in time it's going to leak that they will be a part of the 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 upcoming Infinity Wars. But it's kind of funny right now at this point in time that the way they can't either or that they're not going to be depending on who they talk to within Marvel. Oh yeah, and like Charlie Cox, like his interview when they said they he's going to play there. There will be a Daredevil in a future Avenger film, but it might not be him. Like it, they're totally doing a Game of Thrones thing on us. But um, yeah, it's they they can't. They kind of when when they got spy when they teamed up with Sony for Spider Man, they kind of lost their game face in matters like that. So right now, anything is possible, but they're going to try to do all they can to misdirect you. Of course, of course, because they want to leave something to uh, the imagination of viewers and the audience out there. Um, but yeah, I, at this point in time, Marvel is not the same company it was uh, 15 years ago, uh, 12, 15 years ago, with the quality that, you know, they will still, they'll still have a movie that might not meet crit- critical acclaim. Okay, obviously, you know, if you read read my article on the, uh, recently on the, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not every one of them is uh, endearing to me. Um, not every one of them is endearing to a critical audience. But the presentation aspect uh, is something that will not be shortchanged by Marvel, and that's something that they have gone out of their way to to try and develop um, since 2008. And it, it's you can see it. Uh, you know, say what you want about Thor: The Dark World. I'll, I'll throw that out there. But the effects, as far as that's concerned, were not a reason why uh, the movie, you know, performed the way it did at a critical or or financial option. Right, right. And it's, um, you, you know, they're, obviously they're going to have movies that aren't going to perform as well as uh, other movies. You have, uh, what was it, Ant-Man, you know, people were ex- I think it depends on the hero too. Like with Doctor Strange, I don't think it's going to produce the same numbers as say like an Iron Man movie or a Captain America movie or Avengers are going to do. But like, it's a story that we need to know. Like they need, even if these movies don't make as much money as the rest of them, they still need in order for their greater plan to work out, they still need to put the pieces into place. So people know where these characters are coming from. And you know, you can't really tell anything. It's hard to tell a lot of stuff like a movie success from, box office numbers so that does tell a lot but you still from blu-ray and dvd sales rentals like a lot of people people don't go to the movies as often anymore so you can tell like a lot of money that movies make back happen on home video 
Indeed, indeed, you are correct on that one. So, Iron Fist uh, TV show is it look you know I think it looks promising as well. I think it uh, um, the the initial um, reaction by some some fans. Um, I'm not going to say it's going to blow over, but I think it will give way to a positive reception overall because uh, so far they've been very successful uh, with their entries on Netflix. So this leaves us to the last part of what Josh wanted to talk about um, for you. Well, I don't want to say you Harry Potter fans out there because it's not just Harry Potter that we're dealing with here, but we're going to talk about Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. It's the upcoming movie uh, from the same studios. And for instance, the same type of realm and stu- movie uh, uh, universe as Harry Potter. Um, at first, they thought they were going to be able to keep those separate. And f- at first, they thought that the movies would, would be separate from the Harry Potter universe. But um, with the latest announcements and the latest footage that t- took place, I think Josh has an up better update than I do that maybe that's not the case and they might be intertwined after all. Is that not correct? Oh, that is, yeah. Um, so they just announced that Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was originally going to be three movies, but now it's going to be five. And yes, we thought that they were going to try to keep the story of Newt Scamander separate from Harry Potter and his friends, obviously. But just from what I've read about the articles, they're saying that they didn't think that the trilogy could survive on its own without a big baddie. So do you, did you read the books? Um, I'm more of the fan of uh, the films. I have not read the books as of yet, but I do know that in the 10 minutes footage, um, the first 10 minutes of the movie was, was shown at a, a LA press event uh, and fan event last week. And uh, a very familiar name to Harry Potter fans was introduced uh, within those first 10 minutes. Right, so the story's going to have Dumbledore and Grindelwald in, uh, and it's going to talk about their famous duel. So Grindelwald was the big baddie in the Wizarding World before Voldemort came along. And, uh, you know, if, if you've read the books, I, I just got done reading the books. I've never read them before, and they're, they're fantastic. But it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of detail in the books that they don't tell you in the movies. So you wouldn't really know a lot of the, uh, you know, the smaller things. But for those of you who haven't read the books, Grindelwald is the character who originally owned the Elder Wand. And they show him very briefly in uh, the last Harry Potter movie when uh, Voldemort visits him in prison and then he ends up killing him because he doesn't have the wand anymore. But uh, Grindelwald was, uh, he was a dark wizard and he um, befriended Dumbledore and, you know, a lot of, and if you believe the internet rumors, you know, they were in love with each other. But they, uh, there's a friendship there. And then uh, Grindelwald ended up killing accident. They don't really know. Is uh, Grindelwald Dumbledore uh, or Dumbledore's brother actually killed Dumbledore's little sister. So that set a whole, like, feud off between them. And then years later, they, they duel. So that's the story there. But the uh, so they said that he is going to be the big baddie in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So how they're going to tie... Newt Scamander, Dumbledore, and Grindelwald together is beyond me, but it, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I kind of see what they're doing though, because uh, I don't know if you read uh, read any of the news that Warner Brother purchased the rights to uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the film rights. 
I, I did indeed. Um, and, and they know where their bread's buttered. They know that Harry Potter was such a financial boon for them during the, the 90s and early part of the 2000s uh, regarding the movie iterations and whatnot. It just, it, it seems like a natural that they would invest themselves in the entire series and that maybe they were meant to be a separate at first, but it looks like, you know, Warner brothers probably would have, you know, if I'm head of Warner brothers and I had the final say, I would say I would want to try and piece together for Harry Potter fans uh, and fantastic beast fans. Uh, those two stories to be intertwined, at least in some form or fashion. And it looks like that's the case. Right. Right. And they're, um, you know, if you, if you ask fans, like if you ask them what if they were to want a prequel to Harry Potter, what they'd want to see. This is what they. This is what most people say. They want to see the battle between Grindelwald and Dumbledore. So I, whether or not it's going to overshadow Newt Scamander and his his adventures, it's it's hard to say. But if you think about the release timelines for five more movies, that's going to create ten years in between now and the last movie. So. When that's done, the Harry Potter actors will all be old enough to play their to reprise their roles in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So it's kind of a good strategy by Warner Brothers, but that's assuming that they can get all the characters back. Indeed, indeed. So uh, we're definitely looking forward to that, uh, starting with uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them when it comes out. Uh, we'll be talking hopefully more about that as well whether or not that fans, casual, and Harry Potter fans alike will be accepting the movie, ingratiating the movie, um, and also as well be able to, you know, if they're going to go actually pay in droves for the movie. Because I'm very curious to see how that will connect with a vast and large audience because it's the book's still out for me on it um, as far as being able to connect with a wide audience because I know there's, at some level, people are still the regular fan, you know, that are out there, the casual audience out there is still unfamiliar with that fantastic beast and where to find them is related to the Harry Potter universe. So I think Warner brothers needs to go out of its way to remind the public out there that, that the two are somewhat related. And even though fantastic beast will have its own branching arc and its own story, it still will tie into the Harry Potter mythos. I think it's important as a financial decision but it's also important for for people to you know fan, Harry Potter fans and and um, casual audiences like so that they have something that they can hold on to that they can remember because of all the times and all the movies that they've seen or the books that they have read. Right, and they're just it seems like they're just kind of making up marketing strategies as they go. But yeah, because with Harry Potter, uh, they had the books out before the movie, so people could read. They knew what they were about. So that's why it's kind of pivotal for Warner Brothers to let people know that these are connected because not only are there not any books for Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, it's in the title and in the trailer, there's really no, you know, besides wands and stuff, there's not really any connection to Harry Potter that you don't see. They don't make any, uh, they don't name drop anyone. There's no, uh, you know, returning characters, obviously. So yeah, it's important that they tie these two films together if they want it to be successful because people love Harry Potter. People go nuts over you go to universal studios and it's just constantly packed over there. Uh, I, it's, I, I know I have three fans here at home, so I definitely know how that is. So yeah, it's a cash cow. So they, they, they need to be smart with it. They really do need to be smart. So, um, you know, let's hope for the best. 
This reminds me a lot of uh, Lord of the Rings and how once the Lord of the Rings movies were done, it, it was, what can we do next? Um, and and obviously the Hobbit series, that popped up, and it seemed like you know that was something that they wanted to latch onto. And three movies later, people can say what they want about the Hobbit movies, but they generated almost three extra three billion dollars at the box office. So that's an extra three billion dollars, uh, you know, in the hand in the pockets of the movie company. So you can't say it was a bad bad stroke at all. And and when it comes to Fantastic Beasts, people will say, "Well, it's just a Harry Potter spinoff," you know, blah 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 blah, but. You know, if the if the movies themselves generate anywhere close to three to five billion, it, you know, Warner Brothers said, you know, obviously we'll have made the right move from there. Concur? I agree. People love the Harry Potter universe. Honestly, if they, I, I love the tone and atmosphere of it. If they were to make a movie about mer the mer people and the like, I would still go to see it. Indeed, and indeed. I think a lot of other people as well, because right now Harry Potter still, I think with, with the release of The Cursed Child and the strong re- reception to it, um, I think a lot of, that, that showed a lot of individuals, a lot of people, a lot of analysts out there exactly how much name value Harry Potter still has and how much drawing power he still can have. And I, I think it bodes str- very, very well for Fantastic Beasts if they can make sure and ensure to the casual audience that it is intertwined at least in some way with the Harry Potter universe. Right. Yeah. That's, that's important because that honestly, that's going to be what brings fans to the movie. Like if you, you know, for, for example, like star Wars rogue one, if they hadn't have put like, you know, the, your iconic star Wars pieces, if they would have just called that rogue one and the trailers wouldn't have had your iconic star Wars locations and stormtroopers and all that. Uh, people would probably be less likely to go see it. So you just, you know, you got to play it smart. That's why they call it Rogue One, a Star Wars story uh, on it. Fantastic piece in order to find them, a Harry Potter story. There you go, indeed. Uh, So we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to all the great stuff that's coming out uh, this fall uh, with uh, Rogue One, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and Iron Fist. Uh, the TV series when it comes to Netflix. We're definitely uh, keeping an eye on that. And for more information on all those properties, you can always check out our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com and also our social media at popculturecosmo and popculturecosmos on Facebook. So uh, once again, we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching us. Uh, Josh, any last words? Uh, I know we got a uh, Marvel talk coming up in the near future. We do, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. So tell your friends to tune into this uh, podcast here. They won't regret it. Uh, they won't indeed, because uh, I, I, I can already sense that the uh, superpower fist will be flying once uh, both you and Diana get get on. Yeah, there you go, in the same time. So. Uh, for Josh Peterson, author of Vendetta Dark and the upcoming Congratulations, You Suck. Uh, this is Gerald Glassford from Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to wish you a very, very, very happy evening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. <laughs>